Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Adam, how's it going, man? Hey, Mike, what's going on? I just, you know, survived a close or her Toronto Raptors victory over the Orlando Magic. They really made us sweat it out for a little bit, but, you know, nothing easy is nothing earned. So what was your overall takeaway from the game? Uh, Well, my heart is uh, was in arrhythmia. So that Um, look for all my Game of Thrones fans out there, my fellow Game of Thrones fans out there. Pascal Siakam is Azora High. Okay, he was the prince that was promised hands down. And uh, I am so encouraged by his efforts tonight, especially on a night in which Kawhi Kawhi Leonard just didn't have it really offensively. Um, Pascal Siakam is is a saint. And to have him on this team right now, uh, I can see why other teams may find that unfair. So he he saved the game for this Raptors team single-handedly. So let's just go through a quick summary of the game. Um, Early on, the Toronto Raptors take a commanding 10-0 lead. They really jump off to a hot start, both offensively and defensively. Toronto completely controlled the Orlando Magic offense. What was kind of running through your head at that time? I loved it. It was a a 10-0 run, I believe, to start the first quarter. Um, it was reminiscent of game two. They were coming out swinging. Uh, the defense was, was really good to start. It was really tight. Um, Marcus was handling Vucevic very well. Um, I, I was encouraged. Um, it, it sort of fell apart when the bench unit came in, but to start the game, I, I was, I was like, here we go. Another good game, uh, reminiscent of game two. So the Raptors start off hot, and then, you know, things start to cool down. Defensively, I still think the team was playing pretty well. They were forcing some tough looks. The Magic were not hitting anything from distance early on in the game, then started to heat up a little bit, but overall just kind of a back-and-forth affair. After about midway through the second quarter, the lead has evaporated. It's gone down to two. What are your thoughts over at that time? Um, I, Like I said, the bench unit was costly. Um, I, I know that you have to give, I guess, Jody, uh, Meeks his obligatory two minutes. Um, but otherwise I was, I was really upset with how the bench sort of coughed it up and sort of put a stop on the momentum. Um, 
my only thoughts were we're probably going to have to run Kawhi at that time a little bit more than 33 minutes for this game, and we might have to rely on our starters a little bit more than we'd like to. But this is playoff basketball. That's what you have to do. This is the recipe for a victory. Yeah, the, you know, the Pascal with the bench unit was pretty tough. That lineup got killed out there, and it wasn't out there for a while, but that's something that I don't think Toronto can continue to go to when you're facing real teams. When you're facing the 76ers, and when you're facing a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, you can't run out offensive units that don't have a chance, and that's something that hopefully Nurse corrects moving forward. He didn't go with that unit in the second half. Um, he at least kept Meeks off the floor and put Danny Green in his place, so that's something to watch moving forward. That unit hasn't been good all season, and I'm really kind of disappointed in Nurse's uh, decision to go to it here in this game. I don't blame you. And I, I want to say that they started the second quarter with Kyle Lowry on the floor as well. Um, I, I don't blame you at all. That's something that I have been keeping my eye on is how he's handling these rotations, how he's handling the starting unit specifically. Um, I, I'd like to see him give the starters a little bit more of a run. Uh, I like the leash to be with the bench. I like to, him to yank it a little bit more when things are getting uh, tight and when you can see that the momentum is slowing down for the Raptors he can't be afraid to pull that trigger this is playoff basketball all right this this whole rest this whole all of that keeping your play is fresh that goes out the window the margin for error is so slim he has to take advantage of these situations to start the second half it's kind of a back and forth affair Ben Gasol picks up four fouls Nikola Vucevic gets going and the Magic take the lead for the first time what's your thought process at that point uh, you had to remove him, I, and I know it was unfortunate. You didn't want to see Gasol go because he was handling Vucevic pretty well, um, and you you saw that Serge just couldn't contain him, um, but you kind of had no choice. At that point, I was willing to give Serge a little bit of a run to see how he was doing. Um, it definitely wasn't encouraging, at least in the beginning, with Serge against him. So I wanted to maybe see, and I know this may be controversial, but I was willing to see maybe a lineup with Pascal at the five to see how that would go. But if the body types make you a little uncomfortable, it wouldn't really shock me or wouldn't be off-putting for me if they tried to experiment Kawhi at the five because they've done it once this season. And I think if Gasol is dealing with foul trouble, this would have been the time to experiment with that a little bit. I thought Obaka kind of settled himself after playing really poorly in his first couple minutes in. And, you know, after the first couple minutes, he settled in there and he made a couple nice decisions out of the short roll, hit a couple mid-range jumpers, and his defense really turned around. So I think after a rough start, it was a pretty solid performance by him overall. I don't think his game was good, but I do think that he improved as the kind of the game went along and played much better during the second half of that stint than he did in the first half. For sure. No, I, I agree. I, I think that when he's able to get that little mid-range jumper of his right at the elbow, when he's able to watch that fall in, I think that boosts his confidence a lot. So I think when you have that offensive uh, positivity, it will bleed into his defensive game, and I think then he gets his confidence going. Um, I'm just saying in the immediate term, when you saw him struggle against Vucevic, I wanted to see a change right then and there. Um, like I said, the margin for error is very slim. So if, it, if if they're going to take these chances, I would just like to see Nick take them with a shorter leash. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, my biggest thing against going to the Pascal at center lineup isn't 
the Pascal at center part of it. It's the backup power forward minutes now that OG mm-hmm. and Anobi can't play. And that really limits their rotation, I think, in many ways. And, you know, Patrick McCall was active for tonight's game, but he didn't get in. So I wonder if that was a little bit more of gamesmanship than anything else. I think that Pascal at center is fine. The problem is without OG, where do you soak up those backup power form, power forward minutes from? Yeah, I guess you would have to insert Kawhi there. Um and just hope for the best. I, like, e- like I said, even if it was a switch and have you have Kawhi at some five minutes, just because of the body type is probably better matched up against Vucevic, I wouldn't have complained about that. Um, you know, the Magic had the lead at that point, and then comes on the Toronto run that really, you know, the fourth quarter it became closer. But I don't. I was never at least in serious danger of this game, or I never thought that the game was in serious danger. That run kind of in the middle of the third quarter took everything over. Uh, what was kind of your thought process on that and mostly on Pascal Siakam's huge night? Yeah, I, I – so I was pretty much white-knuckling my couch the whole game, especially in the third quarter. Um, it's – you didn't want to see a repeat performance of game one, and I know Augustine wasn't nearly as effective as he was game one, but it's it takes just one stretch of runs for a, a Magic player to get hot. And, you know, you sort of saw it with uh, Terrence Ross here and there. And I really wanted the the Raptors to focus on him because other than Vucevic, it was Terrence Ross really taking over. So um, I I was really encouraged by the performance. Um, I think Pascal Siakam deserves a lot of credit, man. Uh, He was battling. He he was getting physical underneath. And uh, that is what you want to see from your most improved player. So what was your kind of key moment to the game? What moment do you think was the turning point? that either, you know, put this into a Raptors victory or however you want to phrase it. But what was your key moment of the game? Um, I, I don't really like to go to the final seconds, but it for me, the, the one moment that stands out the most that really sealed it was the Kyle Lowry tip, that uh, offensive rebound um, or the offensive tip. I think that swayed. I know it was like right at the final seconds of the game, but without that, this could be a completely different outcome to this game. No, that's a great point. It was, you know, I hand-waved the end, but that moment, you were right, was a real close moment and a real clutch rebound by your six-foot point guard to have that in that late situation. And, you know, those are the type of plays that Kyle Lowry makes that a lot of people don't realize if you're not watching him every night. And that's what makes Kyle Lowry so special. Um, For me, it was that turnaround in the mid-third quarter with Serge Ibaka. Serge was getting really dominated by Vooch early on, and it really took a gutsy performance, I think, from the Raptors and particularly Pascal Siakam to kind of take control of the game during that point. And it would have been easy to try to just skate by until Marcus Saul got back into the game. And I think it was really impressive that the Raptors didn't need to do that. No, for sure. For sure. I think that, you know, it's it's very... I, th- I think for the success of this team in this round one, both Serge and Casal have to get going. And any time that you have Serge, you know, performing like that, I think it's going to be a benefit for this team. So what are your three takeaways from the game? I guess I'll start with your first and we'll alternate back and forth here. What's one of your biggest takeaways from this one? I think the thing that stands out to me the most is Kawhi's performance. Um, this may have been the worst performance uh, Kawhi has given us as a Raptor all season. Um, And it's unfortunate that it has to happen in the playoffs. Yes, he did have 16 points. He actually played more than 33 minutes this time and he did have 10 boards, but the, the, I, I, something about it, he was very hesitant and I know he was getting bodied 
and he, there was a lot of contact that wasn't getting called on him, but you got to play through it. And there was just something about his game tonight that was very off. Yeah, it was really concerning. Um, it, you know, it's not something I'm overly concerned with. Obviously, he had just two monster performances in the first two games of the series, but it was really weird. And it was, you know, in the third quarter, I thought he was kind of kind of step up and take his run here. Apparently, he was sick, but you know, players are kind of sick before a lot of games, and it was disappointing to see. It's not something that I'm overly concerned with going forward, but I do think you're right. It was a huge storyline of this game. Yeah, I do, I agree with you. I don't think that this is going to uh, bleed over into into game four by any means. But I do think that tonight is something that Raptors fans may want to wipe away from their memories. So for my takeaway, I'll just go with how physical the game was. And, you know, there's a lot of complaining about officiating on Twitter. I don't think officiating was particularly one sided in this contest. I think it was decidedly loose in this contest. And the game was really physical from a lot of aspects, both off the ball and kind of as players drove to the rim. And just this game felt like a real backyard brawl, which if you're Orlando is the kind of game you want to play. And I think they decidedly came out physical and were asking the refs to make every single call, which refs are hesitant to do. And I thought this game was, you know, really in the Magic's favor as far as the style wise. I agree. I, I don't necessarily like to blame the referees for the outcomes of the game or how the, the the direction sways for a game at all. I think that's sort of a cheap narrative. But there is something to be said about, uh, what do we got here, 23 free throws for the Magic and 10 for the Raptors. I think there's a little something there. I don't want to squint at it too hard because that would be focusing on what I just said, that you shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, 23 personal fouls for the Raptors, 17 for the Magic. It's not a huge disparity. Uh, I think you're right. I think the the refs to let them play it was very physical from the jump very very physical um and when you you see these free throw attempts that i've referenced and you had this home crowd saying ref you suck um there's something you know that doesn't really add up there so no i don't think that the refs really dictated anything about this game and i do like physical playoff basketball so i i can't complain no i i think it was something where the magic came out they knew they were at home. They thought this is the advantage that we can take and we can be physical from the opening tip. And if you're physical from the opening tip, sometimes it sets kind of a tone for the rest of the game where they, they're not going to call everything right off the bat because the refs don't want to hear their whistle a lot. And I thought it was a good strategy by Clifford to come out and say, we're going to be physical from moment one and force you to blow the whistle. Otherwise, we're going to dominate this team kind of in the pain and physically. So I thought it was a good strategy by Orlando rather than I'm, – I'm not trying to say that the refs kind of messed this one up. Rather that Orlando dictated the physicality of this game, which was a good decision by uh, Clifford. Yeah, and they targeted the right guy, right? It it was clear that they were going to be physical with Kawhi right from the jump, and it it's smart on their behalf because they're going to want the other players on the team to beat them. The only problem is you have a guy named Pascal Siakam that can very well do that. What was your second takeaway from this game? It's Pascal Siakam. <laughs> Pascal Siakam had a monster game, man. I, I Like I said, I we are lucky to have such a great, great player on this team. Uh, and, you know, Nurse joked that, you know, he is definitely the second best uh, option, scoring option on this team. The dude played 42 minutes. He is a machine. He just does not stop. Another double-double performance, 30-point performance by Pascal Siakam. Uh, a lot of key clutch baskets for him in the post. 
He was dominating underneath. Uh, finally got some three-pointers down. This is the type of performance that you want to see from Pascal Siakam. Uh, it was just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it was really great. He really was getting into the lane whenever he wanted to. He was three of four from three-point range tonight, and that's something that he's kind of struggled with earlier in the series. If he would have made that one from above the break, dribbling into it, it really would have been something. But he has a great game today, and I, you know, it just can't be overstated the improvement he's made from year one to year two. My second takeaway is going to be Marcus Hall's defense. He finishes the game with you know nine points on four of six shooting, hit a three-pointer as well. But the thing that just came away is his hands are so good, and he's dominated Vooch throughout this series. And Vooch got going a little bit with Serge in, but whenever Mark was in there, he was having trouble. And Mark picked up a couple ticky-tack fouls that I didn't necessarily agree with. And, you know, that's just sometimes how it crumbles when you're center and you're very active like Mark is. But his hands are amazing, and the defensive performance he's had not only in this game but this series has been truly, uh, really impressive. Yeah, his hands are so valuable for this team on defense, and I think that is something that's not getting a lot of credit uh, when it comes to describing the Raptors' playoff performance. He is so vital for their success on defense, and the communication that he provides is just outstanding. Um, I do tend to agree with you. I think two of the initial four fouls, I was very um, sort of wide-eyed. And I just couldn't believe that they were called fouls. But, you know, in the speed and heat of the moment, I can sort of see why they were. Um, he just provides a lot of defensive uh, insurance for this team. And uh, when you have a big man with such quick hands, that is something that is very valuable for playoff success. What's your third takeaway? Well, it was going to be Marcus All, but I do have a backup. So um, I do want to mention that Norman Powell had some pretty decent bench minutes. Um, he's not lighting up the stat sheet. He did rack up 14 minutes, but he did have a, a, a couple of key threes. Um, there was one instance that he shot from the corner, missed. I want to say Fred got the offensive rebound, dished it back out to Powell, and he was able to knock down the three. Uh, that just shows confidence in him, and they, the Raptors are, I, I think, when he's on the floor, they're making an effort to get him going on the offensive side. So I, I do want to credit uh, Norman Powell for his bench minutes because I do think that they have improved dramatically compared to last year. He's also one of the few Raptors that I think gets around screens effectively on defense. Um, when we face Philadelphia in the upcoming series, or assuming we face Philadelphia, I think it's pretty safe to say he's one of the only guys that I trust on Reddick as far as slipping around screens. And the Raptors have been really relying on switching, and that's okay. They're a very good switch team. But he's one of the few guys that I really trust to kind of get over those screens with top guys. And I would like to see him a little bit more on Terrence Ross and a little bit more on active off-ball offensive players. But you're right. He had a great game, not all only offensively, but I thought he was pretty solid on the defensive end as well. Yeah, it, it, for sure. And this is, you know, reminiscent of playoff Norman Powell. Um, I do think that he's valuable. I do think that, you know, on the defensive end, he's going to be someone that the Raptors can sort of lean on if they do want to give their starters a, a little bit of a, of a breather, um, a short breather. I kind of have to stress that. But yeah, he's not being so erratic driving to the lane thus far in this playoff series. He's making very smart decisions in terms of his offensive possessions. And the defense has always been good. I never have any doubts when it comes to Norman Powell and his defense. It's very tight. It's very, uh, very glued to the, to the man that he's guarding. So no, I, I would like to give him credit that was my I'll mark that as my third takeaway for sure um mine would be the pace of this game and all series long the Raptors have struggled to get out in transition and 
that's something that I think has hurt them on the offensive end. This game was played, this game had 94 possessions, and I don't think they've cracked 100 in the three games so far. Orlando has done a great job of stifling the Raptors' transition game. Um, and I'll be curious to see in future series if Toronto is able to kind of get moving a little bit more on the fast break. Yeah, I think that that is something that you're you're seeing Orlando actively trying to stop. If you notice that when it comes to their transition defense, they are as soon as the shot goes up, they are back on defense. They have no uh, effort when it comes most of the time when coming to a, to an offensive rebound. They are right back in because they I think they've noticed that the Raptors have a tendency to go on these quick fast breaks having uh, someone as an, a long outlet pass, um, specifically Pascal Siakam. So I think that they're making a conservative effort just to be ready on defense and to not waste any possessions so the Raptors could beat them. Yeah, and that's a Steve Clifford staple, the Magic of Ben. Right. I think they finished the year second in transition points allowed, and the Hornets were always at the top of that list when he was there. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And you know, but it's still difficult when you can't get points in transition and just takes away a few things. Again, Steve Clifford is, I think, a pretty good coach, and that's just one of the many reasons why. Um, who's your MVP of this game? And give me someone besides Pascal Siakam, because I feel like that's your your obvious choice. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Besides Pascal Siakam, well, it's definitely not Kawhi. I guess I would have to go Kyle. Um, Kyle has been look. It's not like a dominant performance on the on the stat sheet. He did have ten assists in forty minutes with twelve points. It's not this twenty point performance that he you know had in in game two, but it's still not as bad as game one. The he was moving the ball very well. He was generalizing the game very well. And you have to credit him for that that tip that I referenced earlier. Without that, this is a very different outcome. So Kyle Lowry was very physical in this game. Very, very physical. And uh, he he stated right after the game, these are things that you just have to play through no matter what the call is, no matter how lopsided ostensibly this game is being called. You just have to play through it. So you have to admire his grit. You have to admire his determination. And and uh, his leadership skills, I think they were very bright tonight. Yeah, that's a great point. And like you said, that tip was huge. Kyle Lowry was a really stabilizing force. Uh, one of the biggest things to me in this game was I don't think anyone in this game played particularly well besides Pascal Siakam and Marcus Hall for long stretches. So it's really impressive that the Raptors were able to pick up a victory without so many of their key pieces playing even you know at an average level for their normal performance. No, for sure. And like a lot of the reason why the Raptors were able to to come away with this one, uh, the Magic missed a lot of shots that, you know, in game one, you would figure they would they would go down. Uh, the Magic were 13 for 45 from three. That's 29 percent approximately. That's pretty bad. So that's not to say that like that is the sole reason why the Raptors. I mean, sorry, the Magic lost this game. It's not. But. Being that poor from three-point range isn't going to win you any games. Um, so I, I think the Raptors are under the understanding that game one, that, that sort of pace, that sort of um, three-point pace isn't sustainable, and they're daring them to beat them at the three-point line, unless your name is Terrence Ross. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, my most valuable player, I'll go with Mark Gasol. Gasol was really good, like I said, defensively, and, you know, his offensive performance was good as well. He's four of six, and he just is such a calming influence on the Raptors whenever he's on the court. When he sets screens, teams are more hesitant to blitz the pick and roll because he's so good as a passer outside of it. And, you know, I think as this 
playoffs goes along and the more I watch this team, the less comfortable I am with Serge Ibaka on the floor and the more comfortable I am with Gasol. For sure. Yeah. And it, look, I, I I think that Serge Ibaka does have a place with this offense. I just don't know that this Orlando Magic team is the right matchup for him um, coming off the bench. It's it's if, if they have if the Magic have um, a bench lineup that includes Vucevic, uh, Abak is going to be a liability. I don't know that he's going to be able to match up with him as well as he did tonight, and that's not even that good. So, no, I don't think Serge is, if anything, he's got to sort of have his minutes limited, but tonight is sort of the anomaly because Marcus Hall, as we mentioned, had four quick fouls, and like we said, two of them were sort of chippy. So I don't expect that to continue, but it, it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think... You know, Serge probably won't get a ton of run against Philadelphia unless Joel Embiid is, continues to be hobbled. His value will really be in the third round of the series when he's either matching up with Brooke Lopez or if Boston finds a way to advance past the second round. That's where his value will be. And, of course, if they do make it to the West, I think he's a better matchup for most of the Western Conference teams. But in the first two rounds here, it might be a little bit tough from him from a playing time perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I think that Casal would be much better suited against Embiid, like you said. And even if Embiid isn't playing, I think Marc Gasol can sort of feast on that. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned whether or not the Celtics. So it, it's it's funny because people are highlighting the Celtics. I think they, they have a, a very good opportunity to take down the Bucks, assuming that they make it. But that's a conversation for another day. But I do agree with you. I think the, the first two rounds, at the very least, with Serge, uh, his minutes have to be quite limited. Who's your least valuable player for Toronto? Least value? Can I say Kawhi? Does is I, that like a hot take? No, I think five of nineteen allows you to make that take and six turnovers. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna say Kawhi Leonard only because my standards for him are so high, and that you know the the hype of playoff Kawhi has been etched into our minds and we've been dealing with this uh, load management all year during the regular season, so. Um, I'm very, very hesitant to give Kawhi excuses. I'm very hesitant to give him a pass. I'm willing to do it only because the Raptors won this game. But uh, it was almost to the point that Kawhi was sort of an offensive liability on the floor tonight. Yeah, you know, his his attention will always be something. But if you miss 14 shots, only make five and turn the ball over six times, you're uh, actively hurtful player to your team's offense and I'm not saying he's going to do that going forward, but for this game alone, Kawhi did not play well. Mine is going to be Fred Van Vliet. Um, Fred Van Vliet has had just a really, really brutal series, and I'm a Fred Van Vliet believer, but tonight was not his night. He's 2 of 7. He finishes negative 11 in the plus-minus. He's been one of the only Raptors to have such a terrible plus-minus throughout the entire series. Um, Just a really tough game. He missed a lot of layups and a lot of open shots. Fred has really struggled in this one. Yeah, that last possession that he had to end the third quarter, I was really like, I was hoping that he could build off that. It was a nice little uh, breakaway move. He created space quite quite nicely, and he does typically, he's able to make that, uh, um, you know, uh, behind the back layup. It didn't fall in. I was encouraged by the move in and of itself. But you're absolutely right. The overall performance by Fred wasn't the greatest tonight, and uh, he's got to pick it up. So what's your biggest takeaway heading into game four? The defense, it needs to be there. The Raptors got to keep playing through it. Um, I don't know if the the referees are going to be the same. I don't know how they're going to 
um, schedule that. I, I'd imagine that they probably would, but um, they they just got to play through it. They got to play through adversity. Kawhi's got to sort of shake this off, at, much like he encouraged uh, Kyle Lowry and the people that were doubting him to shake off that performance in game one, and he's got to take over. This team is heavily reliant on the production from Kawhi Leonard, so he's got to have a better game. They got to clean up the foul trouble. Um, the defense, as you mentioned, I didn't really have a problem with it tonight at all. So if they can continue that intensity and the on offense, the one thing that I noticed in the beginning, much of their success was because they were moving the ball and then they sort of stayed away from that a little bit. If they can continue to do that throughout the entire game, moving the ball, I think that is so valuable for this team. And that's when you see them at their best. So they need to clean up the, the offensive possessions, move the ball a little bit more, make better shot decisions. And Kawhi Leonard's got to step it up. I'm going to go with the bench and the bench is just, it's been a problem all year. We've, I've written about it multiple times. Our site has written about it all the time and it just hasn't been fixed yet. And it's split into the postseason. Now I talked about Fred Van Vliet struggling. Norman Powell played well today, but he hasn't really been great this series. Serge Ibaka has struggled, as we mentioned. And then, you know, Jody Meeks is playing two and three minutes a game. I don't think he has any real serious impact. The bench has been rough. Part of it has been Nick Nurse's rotations, which haven't been great. But part of it has just been individual players not playing well either. You know, Fred has to play better than this. Fred has played better than this all season and throughout his career. So... I'm hoping that these individual players step up. I'm hoping Nick Nurse steps up with his rotations. But Toronto can't continue to build this lead with the starters only to have it evaporate early in the second quarter as your bench unit blows a lead. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much this has to do with uh, OG's absence as well. Yeah, you know, that's fair. But at some point, you're going to be missing a guy like OG and Anobi in the playoffs. If you look at the rest of the top of the Eastern Conference, the Bucks have guys out. The 76ers have Embiid seriously hobbled, and the Celtics are missing Marcus Smart. So OG and Anobi to me is a minor injury, and it's not a big enough factor that it should be throwing off your rotations this bad or have this bad, big of an impact on your team. No, for sure. That's fair. Um, the bench has been an issue all year, as you mentioned. It's not the the bench from last year that sort of played outperformed the starters at sort of certain points and bailed them out. Um, this is something that needs to be cleaned up. But when you see what's going out there with, you know, save from maybe Surge on paper, Fred and, and Norm, um, I, I don't know how well we expect them to perform. I would like them not to give up like 14 point leads. That's for sure. But um, I don't really expect them to be this dominant force like they were last year. Totally agree. Hey, Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.